You know, the name Goliath means soothsayer. Now that's interesting. What does that mean? We'll talk about it today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Word of God, the 66 books, written by the 40 authors over 1,500 years with the same theme. And as we do that, Corey and Ryan are here. Corey, what's going on? I'm going to be taking a look at Israel's first king, King Saul. Ryan? Well, we know Goliath was tall, but just how tall was he really? Well, join me in about 20 minutes as I attempt to size him up. All right, very good. <laughs> Janice? Today I called mine so many good lessons. All right, that's absolutely true. And Goliath was tall. Uh, but we'll Taller talk than me, I can tell you that uh, much. I, taller than me, <laughs> taller than all of us here. Anyway, a very interesting uh, period of time. Let's get out the Bible and listen to what God is saying to us as we begin to read. First Samuel 17, verses 12 through 26. Now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab the firstborn, next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself forty days, morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp. And carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand, and see how your brothers fare, and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then, as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, 
what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 12 through 26. First Samuel 17, 18 and 19 is what we read today as we continue to go through the Bible. For the 32nd time, it's very, very exciting, let me tell you. Um, you know, the name Goliath means soothsayer. So this may mean that Goliath was known to speak about the future or that he had some kind of pagan religious ties. Given that Goliath was about nine and a half feet to 11 feet tall, it's a big guy, Whatever he said would be hard to question. The key to discovering the nature and attitude of this giant named Goliath is in how God defeated him. The army of Israel was at a standoff with the army of the Philistines. There was a stalemate because the Philistines had put forward a challenge of singular combat. Goliath versus the Israelite warrior. Now, David's father, Jesse, wanted news about his three eldest sons who followed Saul into battle, and he would often send David to bring refreshments to them. It was on such an occasion that the Lord moved on David's heart as David witnessed Goliath mocking and taunting the Israelite army. Well, David was enraged at the mocking of God and his army. Now, this is the setting for God's total defeat of Goliath. The Philistines, and in turn, sets in motion a kind of jealousy against David by the king at that time, who was Saul. Fascinating stuff. This, this is the time that you need to be with us. Get your Bible guide out. If you don't have one, why not? You need to get your Bible guide. I encourage you to write for us, or write for it, or call for it, or go to Bible Discovery TV and click on it. It'll take you to a page where you can make a donation. Thank you for your donations, but also it'll take you after that to a page where you can download it exactly how we printed it. Who was Goliath? Help us to pray today, Lord. Father, we pray today. All of us gather and we say, Lord, teach us your ways and show us your paths. We are not going to listen to what everybody else says. We're going to listen to what you say, Lord, by reading your word. Help us to do that today in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said together, Amen and amen. Now, listen carefully to the scripture. This is really fascinating. First Samuel chapter 17. Let's begin with verse 12. Now, David was the son of that Ephraimite of Bethlehem of Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons. Very interesting. And the man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three eldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to battle. The names of his three sons who went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him Abinadab, and the third was Shemaiah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistines drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Fascinating. 
You see, it was David who was anointed king of Israel at this time. Samuel had already anointed David king of Israel, but Saul was the king. Beloved, we should listen for the Lord through his people. Listen for the Lord through what God is doing. God will be talking to people and telling them exactly what he's doing. Now, we live in a time when the church is becoming many smaller churches, not the big, huge, gigantic churches of 35 and 40,000 people. They're depleting. But many churches of smaller amounts and on the internet being taught and all of that, God is doing something very interesting. And so we need to pay attention to this and listen to what God is saying. Now, in 1 Samuel 17, verse 17, it says, Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp, and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousands, and see how your brothers fare, and bring back news of them. Now Saul... And they all, and, and they, and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines, okay? Through his father, Jesse, God sends David to begin the defeat of Goliath. This was the defeat of Goliath. Now, the Lord often sends help through unexpected circumstances. I, you know, I want to tell you something that the COVID time and the time of dealing with this disease and everything else has been fascinating. God, not that God caused COVID, he didn't, but God used this time to speak to people and speak to us about who he is. He's the healer. He's the great one. And we need to understand that. And this is the time when God is doing something very unique. So let's pay, continue to pay attention because watch what David does in 1 Samuel 17, verse 20. It says, so David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle a ray army against army. And David left his supplies in the hands of the supply keeper and ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistine. And he spoke accordingly the same words. So David heard these words. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give him his father's house exemptions from taxes in Israel. Verse 26. Listen carefully. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Did you hear that? You see, Saul and his army were afraid and only interested 
to protect and defend themselves. David was interested in honoring God's name. David was interested in honoring God's name. Beloved, today we need to pay attention to honoring God's name, not just protecting ourselves or helping us. When we go to prayer meetings, I, I say to people, let's pray for the world needs first. Because as we set our minds on what God wants, and then the last part of the session, we'll pray for our personal needs. That's how we pray. We always pray for others first. And then we pray for our own needs. Because we've got to get our minds set back in order. That's what God has called us to do, Christian. That's what Jesus did. And that's what Jesus calls us to do every single day. We need to do that. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Today, we are going to be taking a look at King Saul, this much debated, kind of controversial figure in early Israelite history. It's really easy to hate him. Some people love him. I land somewhere in between. I think he was just a guy trying to do his best. And unfortunately, as his life went on, it took a really dark turn. But let's do a little bit more than just opinions. Let's dive into the history. Let's dive into the Bible and see what we can learn about King Saul. The biblical figure of Saul, son of Kish, marks a major transition for the nation of Israel, who at the time had been existing under the leadership of Samuel, acting priest and judge. Samuel, with his distinctively providential birth and continued dedication to God, had overseen a type of revival. But as Samuel aged, the Israelites wanted more structured leadership. They wanted dynasty, a monarch. This demand for kingship went against the order of God, and yet, like many instances in their past, God gave them what they asked for. He gave them a king that was tailored to them. In the text of the Bible, Samuel is told to listen to them and give them a king, even though God tells Samuel who to anoint. This is in clear contrast to the next king of Israel, David. In his case, God tells Samuel, you are to anoint for me the one I indicate. This seems to show that God's first choice of king was in accordance to the state of Israel. He gave them a king they deserved. Then his second choice was for him. David was the king Israel needed to point them to God. This assertion gains some traction when careful attention is paid to the details of the narrative. The way that it's written records the dark, concerning state and even irony of Saul as king. For example, when we are introduced to Saul, we're told that he is the son of Kish, a Benjamite. This family alone made an extremely ironic choice of king because just a generation or so earlier, the tribes of Israel had made a pact to completely exterminate the Benjamites from existence because of their evil that was said to have surpassed even the icon of ancient evil, Sodom and Gomorrah. 
What's more, we learn that Saul was from the very city that emulated and surpassed Sodom, Gibeah. Even Saul's life as a Benjamite would have stemmed from the terrible accounts of forced marriage recorded in Judges 21. These reasons may have sparked Saul's incredulous comment to Samuel when he complimented Saul's family. But am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? On top of this, we're told that Saul's father, Kish, was a man of standing or a man of valor, which is the same Hebrew word used to describe the evil men of Benjamin back in Judges. Saul is publicly anointed king at Mizpah, where the tribes had gathered to vow to destroy the tribe of Benjamin. And like his surviving ancestors before him, when Saul is sought, he's found hiding from Israel. Saul's first action as king is also to ironically save the city of Jabesh-Gilead that was previously slaughtered by Israel to get wives for his ancestors. In Saul, God gave his people the king they asked for, the king they deserved. And then he gave them the house of David from whom would one day come the Messiah. So there we go. You know, Saul definitely would have been a surprising choice. Uh, the Israelites definitely did not like that God chose Saul at first. And we see that because they initially reject him. Only a few tribes stand by him, but he earns his place as king of Israel with his initial success, his military success. So he is this really interesting cautionary tale. He has a very important place, both in biblical theological history, but also in just Israelite history as well. Very good, Corey, that's excellent. Uh, my question would be, well, we'll ask that question later. Right now, Ryan, <laughs> you're up. All right, well, I'm really excited because my report today deals with something that I've wanted to cover for a few years now, and that is in regard to Goliath, and specifically to his height. And we know he was tall, but just how tall is tall? Well, believe it or not, there is some debate over this, and that's because while the Hebrew version of the Old Testament, called the Masoretic Text, says Goliath was six cubits in a span, some of the Greek manuscripts of the Old Testament, called the Septuagint, says he was only four cubits in a span. Now, even one of the biblical texts found among the Dead Sea Scrolls records this lower figure. So obviously there's been a copyist mistake somewhere. The question is, which number is right? Well, let's investigate. Although he had successfully taken on lions and bears, David was about to face what many considered to be his greatest challenge yet. In particular, a Philistine champion called Goliath, whose height was six cubits and a span, according to 1 Samuel 17.4. A cubit is equal to approximately 18 inches, and a span is about 9 inches, meaning that Goliath stood a whopping 9 feet 9 inches tall. At least, that's what children are taught in Sunday school. But could this be a giant miscalculation? Some scholars think it is, since other Old Testament sources offer a different measurement for Goliath's height. In particular, while the Hebrew Old Testament, called the Masoretic Text, says six cubits in a span, some manuscripts of the Greek Old Testament, called the Septuagint, as well as one of the Samuel manuscripts from the Dead Sea Scrolls, read four cubits in a span. This figure reduces Goliath's height by a third, from 9 foot 9 to 6 foot 9. Interestingly, the Jewish historian Josephus also agrees with this lower figure. It isn't known what caused the discrepancy or which figure is correct, but those who believe in a shorter Goliath 
point out that even at over six feet, he would still be considered tall in comparison to the ancient Israelites, who were only an average of five feet tall, though admittedly he could not rightfully be referred to as a giant. One problem with this view is that although Goliath isn't called a giant in 1 Samuel 17, the Bible does seem to at least suggest that he was in 2 Samuel 21. Further, Goliath was from Gath, which was one of the places giants resided. Another issue is that the Bible describes King Saul as being a head taller than the rest of his people, which would put Saul somewhere in the vicinity of six feet or above. It's hard to imagine how a Philistine warrior only a few inches taller than Israel's own king would instill such fear in the whole of the Israelite military. Additionally, the sheer weight of Goliath's armaments required that he must have been of enormous size and strength. His coat of mail weighed about 125 pounds, and just the tip of his spear alone was 15 pounds. And this doesn't even take into account his helmet, armor on his legs, javelin, or sword. Also, Goliath's near 10-foot stature, while incredible, is also not totally unique. The fact is, examples of giantism on the order of what the Hebrew text claims for Goliath are attested to in numerous sources, both ancient and modern. Within the Bible itself, both giant individuals and entire races of giants are described. King Og of Bashan was one such giant, whose bed was nine cubits long, which is roughly 13 and a half feet. Outside of the Bible, we also have multiple attestations to massive individuals, such as a 13th century BC Egyptian text which describes certain Canaanite Bedouins as tall as eight and a half feet. Descriptions such as these show that the traditional measurement of Goliath isn't as outlandish as some people think. In fact, a six-foot Goliath seems to fall quite short in light of the rest of the facts. So it seems that the higher figure is the correct one. Goliath stood somewhere in the vicinity of nine feet, nine inches tall. And Goliath wasn't alone. As I documented in my report, there is both biblical and extra biblical evidence of other extremely large human beings. Even in modern times, very tall people exist. In fact, the Guinness Book of World Records states that the tallest man to have lived in recent history was Robert Pershing Wadlow, who was eight feet, 11 inches. Now, admittedly, this man's height is a result of a, a genetic disorder, but what it shows is that it was physically possible for humans to grow to such heights. That is amazing. A stunning uh, idea of heights, Janice. <laughs> well, so many good lessons is what I put here for this particular chapter in First Samuel 17. And you know, the story of David and Goliath is one that's very popular, uh, especially, you know, in the days of Sunday school and uh, in the stories that children are told. But in here are such deep truths and deep lessons that there's not, I think it would take a whole hour of presentation to go through this chapter, but I wanted to bring some of the things out that maybe you have noticed or maybe not. Uh, I've written here many times when we follow the instructions of our Heavenly Father, we will be spoken against and taunted by fear to actually immobilize us. You know, we see that with this giant Goliath coming out every, every day for 40 days, morning and night, and he taunts the, the army. And these are men in an army. They are trained to fight. And yet the taunting of this giant wanting to go one-on-one -on -one was 
it, it, it literally immobilized them. We see that it says here, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So for 40 days and nights, this guy would come out and threaten them, but they still didn't, couldn't move. They were immobilized by fear. And some of you are in that spot today. You feel immobilized by fear. And a lot of times when we follow the instructions of our Heavenly Father, if God has called us to do something, then we get all kinds of tauntings from the enemy, even people who are close to us. It happened to David. He had heard the tauntings of Goliath and and started speaking against, well, what's going on here? And his oldest brother, the oldest brother, Eliab, even came down on David. He said, now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when David spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Like, let's just talk about what you are. You're a little shepherd boy. What are you doing here with, with, the, with the great army? I know your pride. He's talking about David right now. I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? David's even confused by this. But I love this verse that really shows David's heart. In verse 13, we hear about the three oldest sons of Jesse, and they had gone to follow Saul into battle. But here's David's heart, because David used to come down to just see what was going on with the battle. And you could understand that because it would have been something very exciting. But it says here in verse 14, David was the youngest and the three oldest followed Saul. But David, starts the next verse, but David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. He still wanted to do that job and to take care of his sheep. And uh, and so in those things, when you are following your heavenly father, you are going to come into times of fear. You're going to come times where you're being taunted. The very things that you already maybe feel about yourself is being thrown at you to immobilize you from doing that work. Um, but David's confidence did not come from within himself but only in what God had helped him to accomplish. We see that, you can check that out yourself in verse 35, talking about the animals uh, that he had helped to kill to save his flock. And then David knew God. When Saul wanted him to wear his armor to go in and fight Goliath, David tried it on, but as David said, David fastened his sword to his armor and he tried to walk for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. He took with him what he was used to. It was a slingshot and some stones. Was that what did it? No, it wasn't. It was the power of God. David knew his God and followed his God and took his God with him wherever he went. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we offer a time of prayer and showing and teaching and praying together. I invite you to join us 3.30, that's Eastern time or New York time in the United States of America. And we have people from all over the world. But today at the end of the program, we need to pray. Let's pray this way. Lord, 
Father, I must do things your way so people can see you in my life today. Help me, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.